0: Hello and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Bible Challenge. My name is Jeremy Howard. I am the staff pastor here at Orchard Hills Bible Church in Payson, Utah. Thanks for joining me today. It's the day after Thanksgiving. This video is a little late this week, but glad you're here. And uh, looking to keep it relatively short today because I'm just wanting to point out something pretty simple that maybe you've never noticed before and then take a little bit of time to ponder the implications of of such a a simple thing that we're going to look at. So uh, this week in the schedule from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Come Follow Me curriculum, the schedule says for the week of November 21st to the 27th, it's Jonah and Micah. Well, I want to point out something from uh, Jonah, okay? That's what we're going to be looking at today. And uh, this time around, I'm not going to be talking about Micah, just like last week we didn't talk about Obadiah, and uh, the week before didn't talk about Hosea. When you put books together, it's just really difficult to talk about both of them unless you have uh, the time to to go through things, and uh, I don't have the time to be able to commit to this particular thing for that. So, uh, just Jonah today, and I want to start at the beginning of the book of Jonah, which has a pretty abrupt start All right? We're not easing into the book. We're just jumping right in with Jonah one one. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. That's how the book starts, first three verses, where God says, look, Nineveh, it's a super wicked city. Jonah knew this. Jonah did not like Nineveh. It's a very wicked, evil place. They're doing all kinds of wicked things in Nineveh. And so God says, hey, go and tell them the good news of my saving grace. Nope, that's not what he said, is it? let's examine again. Sorry, I got a little something in my throat. Let's look at it again. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and God said, verse 2, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And so what Jonah was commanded by God to go say to Nineveh was that God's judgment was going to come upon them, that God was going to because of their sin, judge them in righteousness; their wickedness has come up before God, which is should be a frightening thing for the Ninevites so so here Jonah's not going and saying, "Hey, good news, God loves you. That's not his commission hey I, I got great news for you, you wicked, wicked sinners. God has accepted you already." <laughs> No, that is not the message. Heaven forbid that be the message. Jonah was to go and say that, uh, you know, look, you're, you're about to be destroyed. He's to cry against the city. God is going to win. You have you have picked a fight with the holy God, and you're going to lose. All right? So, um, now you, you, you kind of know what happens. I'm sure this is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Uh, we already started to read about how Jonah didn't want to do that, so he fled away. He went and found a ship and paid some money so he could go away from the presence of the Lord, which turns out you can't do because God is omnipresent, meaning his true presence is in multiple places at once. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, God says that he fills heaven and earth. In Psalm 139, the psalmist is asking, where can I go from your presence? If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I go up high, you're there. Wherever I go, you're there. So Jonah, he can't flee from God in any sense. But he tries, because this is what fallen people do. Perhaps you can relate to this, huh? You try to do things that are nonsensical because you're running from God. Well, again, you know the story. He goes, and he gets thrown overboard by the guys on the ship, and he's swallowed by a great fish, and he spins. Three days in the belly of a fish, and uh, that's chapters one and two. Well, then he gets spewed out of the great fish, and he goes to Nineveh now. Because, <laughs> I mean, you'd have to be really, really stupid, right, to, to say, I'm going to keep running. No, God just showed you you shouldn't keep running. So now he gets to Nineveh. Okay, so the commission was go cry against the city of Nineveh, and now he's there. So let's pick up, and I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's only ten verses. Jonah chapter 3. The whole chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days' walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered in sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they turn from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. All right. Well, uh, there's a lot to see here. I mean, we could talk about, okay, Jonah was only one day's walk into this city that was a three days walk. Does that mean Jonah just did the bare minimum and he stepped into the city and he declared, you know, the that God's judgment was coming and then he left? I mean, uh, what does that mean? There are different takes on that. We could talk about the use of the names of God here, where it says at the beginning, the word of Yahweh came to Jonah. But then throughout the rest of the chapter, as we're looking at the way uh, the Ninevites related to God, it's the word Elohim. So you've got Yahweh and Elohim being used here. And we we could look into that. But you know what? Instead, I want to just point out one simple thing. So again, looking at the start of the chapter, Jonah's commission is restated. Go to Nineveh. It's a great city, but proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. And we know from chapter one that it's going to be a cry against the city. And then you get to verse four, and here's all that Jonah said. This is all that we have. All right, this is how many words? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight words. Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and this is his eight word proclamation. Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So again, there's no God loves you. There's no God has a wonderful plan for your life. There's no God has accepted you just the way you are. There's none of that. It's actually just one short statement, and it's saying uh, to these people, you're, you're going to be judged in righteousness, and, and you're, you're doomed. That's, that's essentially what Jonah is saying here, is that they are doomed. Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 days. Now, he, he does give them a 40-day period, but he doesn't explain the way out here. He doesn't explain uh, what what they should do, what they should think. It doesn't have anything in there. I mean, Jonah, of course, hates these people, so he's probably got his teeth gritted together, and his, his mouth is probably hardly moving. 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. You know, you can kind of picture that in your mind, that he just doesn't even want to be there doing that. And yet... After he makes this proclamation, after he says this from God about their impending judgment, there's this massive revival in Nineveh. How does this happen? I mean, I'm sure you you caught this, that the people, I mean, the very next verse, the people of Nineveh believed in God. How on earth does that happen? the, The statement was, God's getting ready to judge you. And then all the people believed in God. If, if you're someone who's ever been in religious dialogue, you know that it's never that easy, right? <laughs> you never just say a fact and then the person on the other side agrees with you. Like, oh, oh yeah, I am wrong about everything I believe and I need to repent right now. That, that never happens. Well, it happened for Jonah. And, and this is the one simple thing I, I want us to look at. this simple warning from Jonah and then the response of the people. Just let's ponder this for a moment. How on earth did this happen? Well, it appears as though God had been preparing the people, right? Uh, God had been doing something in Nineveh, apart from Jonah's knowledge, something that's not recorded in the book here, but he had been preparing their hearts in some form or fashion because uh, this seed fell on good soil, where the seed of, of the warning, the simple warning, fell on soil that was ready to repent and bear fruit for God in some sense. And anytime there's good soil... That means God has been tilling. God is the one who's preparing people to receive his words. So, so that's something that's been going on. We also need to recognize that, you know, God doesn't need anything in any sense. God doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need anything. There's no God before him. There will be no God after him. He is the eternal self-sustaining, the eternal self-sufficient one. Yet, he so often chooses to use means, creaturely means, to accomplish his divine purposes. And we've talked about that a lot in this series. And here, he, he doesn't need Jonah. He could have he could have brought the Ninevites to this place without Jonah, right? I mean, that's obvious. Yet, he he's waiting on Jonah here to obey, and he's putting Jonah in a position where he will obey by causing this great fish to come along and swallow him up and spit him out. I mean, God's saying, Jonah, you're going to do this. And he uses Jonah to, these again, in English, it's eight words, to just preach this eight-word proclamation that is like the spark that sets ablaze revival in Nineveh. He didn't need to, but he chose to do it that way. And because there's something going on with Jonah through the book, too. In chapter 4, the final chapter of Jonah really brings that out, and you can check that out on your own. But God here is using means that he doesn't need, and he's doing it for his purposes. So God has been preparing Nineveh. God has been preparing Jonah and bringing Jonah along to obey, and he's going to use Jonah. And God uses even just a feeble statement like this that may not have been said with good motivations, may not have been said with the right tone, he still uses that to accomplish his purposes. So not just the human means of of the fact that he's using Jonah as a human being and he doesn't need Jonah, but even the words that come out of Jonah's mouth, he's able to use those words as the Ninevites hear them and receive those words. God is able to work in their hearts and minds, and even though it's not maybe the the message that we would think would be perfect, and even though it wasn't done with the right attitude, perhaps God is still able to use that to accomplish His purposes among the Ninevites, which is pretty amazing. I, I think it's it's quite amazing actually. And so we we see here that people need to hear of God's judgment, and people need to hear about God through preachers of the gospel. Romans ten goes into this uh, when. In Romans 10, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will preachers go unless they are sent? God uses human means uh, to get the gospel out until you get to the Great Tribulation at the end, and then he's using angelic means in addition to some human means. But but in this time, at this in this era, in this administration or dispensation, God is using human preachers to reach people. And that's what's going on. Uh, in Jonah and he's using them to proclaim not just good news as we would see it but to proclaim his judgment and and this is a, just a really important reality that you need to grapple with here because for many of us it strikes us as not ideal to tell sinners that they're going to be judged by God it it strikes us as Uh, harsh, or just not very tactful to tell people that there is impending doom for them based on their willful rebellion against a holy God, that God is a perfect judge, and he's going to judge them, and, and they need to repent. It's like, whoa, whoa, street preacher guy, get the megaphone out of my face, right? That's kind of like our first response to that. But here, that was God's message to Nineveh. He had one simple warning for them. You're, you're going to die because you are wicked. Like If you notice, in Jonah's message, he doesn't, he doesn't even call them to repentance. Jonah doesn't say, repent now. He just says, your whole city's going to be blown up because God is going to do it. I mean, that, that's basically all he said. And then they repented. That is the natural reaction to someone who truly hears, understands, and believes a word from God, uh, they, those people repent, they turn, they they want to please God. That That's what happens when someone truly believes. And again, we don't know the extent to which this happened, but uh, as far as how long this went on, how many generations, you know, perhaps this lasted. But the people of Nineveh believed in God, verse 5, and then... All you get from that point forward is just this description of their repentance. They were sorry for their sin. They were broken over their sin. They were convicted of their sin, and they were repenting of it. And even the animals are wearing sackcloth and ashes. And there's a decree from the king and his nobles saying, "We everybody's got to turn away from his wicked way, verse 8, and from the violence which is in his hands and their hope is that God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that they may not perish. I mean that is just a that's a heart of belief toward God recognizing that he is God and we are not, that he is the perfect judge and we are guilty and that we want to be right with him. What an amazing response by the Ninevites. And this was brought about by God using divine or using creaturely means for his divine purposes to reach this soil that he's already tilled to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. No purpose of his can be thwarted. He wanted Nineveh to repent, and they repented. And it's just an amazing picture based on this one simple warning that was in Jonah's mouth. So uh, pretty amazing. Maybe you've never really thought through the fact that man deserves to be judged. Maybe you haven't dwelt on that. Maybe you don't like to dwell on that. Well, according to Jonah chapter 3... Uh, That is a very, very important reality that has a bearing on how you will live. So dwell on that for a while today, this one simple warning from Jonah, and uh, consider what kind of impact that can have on your life. Okay? Thanks for joining me today. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy the holiday season. We will be back next week to talk about Nahum, Habakkuk, or Zephaniah. Hmm. I'm not sure what I'll do with that yet, but... We'll see. See you then. God bless.